it's so uncomfortable when you have your phone on vibrate and you put it in between your legs just as a holder place because you're eating soup and then it you get a message you get a barrage of messages and it's just very uncomfortable <laughs> i've never put it there but that's really funny and very detailed you're eating soup <laughs> so detailed Welcome to Trashback Ratio Episode 9. I am your host, Jackson Tyler. It is the uh, uh, the Ides of March, and everyone's here. Destiny, Matt, and Kyle, everyone say hello. Hello. That's Greetings. Okay, good. That's... I just wanted to point out that it's the legitimate Ides. The true Ides. The true Ides. Last month there was a bit of a delay. But... No, no, no. I mean, the Ides the of March Ides. is yeah, the real the Ides Shit, of March. you're right. The Ides. <laughs> The, the straight up OG Ides. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the OG Ides. <laughs> I'm a human being who just said the Ides of March without realizing that had any kind of specific significance. That happens. That's okay. Took me a second too. So used to the Ides, I have become. It's very <laughs> dis- <laughs> I know. Very disappointing. How's everyone doing? What's going on? I'm I'm pretty good. I'm fine. I'm all right. Yeah. <laughs> who's who's seen any films? Who wants to talk? I've seen lots of things, so I will try to get through this relatively quickly. Just because... pull out the one you most want to go into and slam on the table. But there are so many things that I want to get into. You and Matt were having a really interesting discussion about uh, Eyes Wide Shut off the podcast. You should bring mm. some of that in the show. I will do that. But first, so I saw The Imitation <laughs> Game by Morton Tildum, um, and that was um, not unentertaining, very conventional. It's the kind of thing I would feel comfortable falling asleep to. Its handling of queer stuff was not great. Um, it was like, it had the ingredients for a queer film, but because the chef was straight and wasn't told how to prepare it, um, it ended up not being very good. So... There's that. And I think Benedict Cumberbatch also looks like an alien. Um, I saw the screener called Lovesick, which is with um, Matt LeBlanc, and he plays someone who becomes legitimately psychotic in relationships, which is supposed to be a cute way of saying he becomes very possessive and paranoid and whatnot, and it's so awful. And it's directed by Luke Metheny, who won the Academy Award for original, Best Original Short best live action short in 2011 for God of Love which I love great short film and I wrote a bad review of it the director messaged me on Facebook that was an interesting conversation he was actually very yeah he was actually very kind and very generous and he said I kind of agree with you there so 
I also have been watching Black Mirror, which is, while a bit alarmist as far as its ideology regarding technology goes, it at least is good at world building to a point where it often doesn't bother me. And there's some pathos in there. There's there's some nice drama in there that is able to balance out some of the more um, alarmist aspects. Did you see um, that uh, the Toast post about um, Black Mirror? No. Was one of the best, like, deflating heckles possible. It was just a list of fake Black Mirror uh, episode ideas, and one of them was just, what if phones, but too much? (laughs) 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 Which, uh, pretty much... I'm I'm interested... Did it come out on Netflix? Is that why everyone's suddenly talking about Black Mirror again? Yes. Yes. Okay, because... The arc of, oh, Black Mirror, uh, Black Mirror, ha, huh, Black Mirror, that was old and kind of okay, has already happened in full in uh, British culture. So you're just getting it. You're just getting in on the ground floor now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. What's um, your favorite episode? My favorite, my two favorite episodes are, it's, are um, 15 Million Merits, which does a really, really great job of presenting this story with very, very little dialogue and by using the world around it to essentially tell the story. Um, and White Bear, which mm. is really disturbing. Yeah. Very disturbing. I really, I, like, I really like 15 Minute Merits. Uh, I, I think White Bear goes too far on being on the nose and I can't truck with White Bear's worldview. But for some reason I can truck with 15 Million Merits, which is just as, if not more, cynical about everything. But those are the two standout ones that everyone talks about, so yeah. Everyone talks about the entire history of you, which I didn't care for because I thought it no, did they, a very... That's, that's the last episode of season three, season one, right? Yeah. That's... It does a very poor job of balancing its particular um, fable or allegory with trying to tell a dramatic story. Who talks about... That's always been the bad one. Really? I, everyone in America loves that one. Oh, okay. Because I saw the news that that got picked up for the movie rights to that episode got picked up, and I was like, they chose that one? That's the one no one likes. Mm, well. Interesting. Um, That's cool. Yeah. Um, so, I like Black Mirror a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, Don Hertzfeld's It's Such a Beautiful Day, which is really devastatingly beautiful. Um Finally watched Bright Star and Make Way for Tomorrow, both of which are also crushingly, devastatingly beautiful. Fifty Shades Grey, which I think is actually very interesting, and you can... I, my short version is, on as a, just a film without my brain, I think it's actually very fun and entertaining. The more articulate version of my opinion is that I think it's very interesting allegory about the trade-offs we make in relationships. The power dynamics and sexual dynamics in that film are very fascinating and fun to parse out. And um, my friend Connor and I recorded a podcast about it, and we invited a uh, film critic from The Village Voice to talk about it with us. Um, Tomboy, I finally got to Celine Siama's Tomboy, which is really great, um, really beautiful and um, subtle. Uh, I rewatched the, the King and I recently, which is kind of racist, but Fun, nevertheless. And oh, the King and I with um, Yul Brenner. Yes, I love that movie, but it is racist. But it's old. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and finally, we watched Eyes Wide Shut in class, which um, Matt and I were talking off the mic about how it navigates um, these ideas regarding monogamy and desire 
and sexuality. I uh, I feel like I have the recording of that. We could just drop it in somewhere if you wanted, Jackson. Oh. Because I, I, mean, I record all Skype calls. Okay, sh- okay. That's oh, okay. It's be- the rough version, but it's there. That's going to be fun to deal with. We'll just, I'll just, can I could put that at the front of the show? I don't know. You can just insert it here because I don't want to talk about it again. Okay, sure. Uh, sure. Did that <laughs> have... This lovely setup. <laughs> yeah. Did that have like a night? Did that have an in and out? No. Great. <laughs> so let's just throw to uh, Eyes Wide Shut. Do you like Eyes Wide Shut, Kyle? I like it more than I did. I don't like the ending. I don't like the ending where Sidney Pollack explains what happens, but I do think there's something very fascinating about it, even though I think it perpetuates this these rigid ideas of heterosexual monogamy. I think it's about the insecurities that come with believing in ideas of heterosexual monogamy. Like, his whole thing is he is threatened by the fact that she is like expressed the like basic idea of being a sexual being independent of him, and it throws his yeah. entire life in disarray. Yeah, I, I noted that definitely, but I think what what I found annoying about that particular scenario was that we are not allowed to understand her desire in the context of her by herself. It only is, exists kind of in conjunction with how he feels. Which oh, is sure. Mass- I mean, for sure. I mean, the movie is also not about her, but that's just a, a critique of Kubrick's work at all. Like, it's always about the men in his films. Even the movies about the women, like look at Lolita and look at The Shining. Mm-hmm. Um, and then what else? I found it very surprising that it is able to present its kind of Puritan ideals in such a traditional way. When we kind of think of Kubrick as this master and subverter, I guess. Um, but like the looming threat to all this temptation is very, I think, traditionally played. He doesn't have sex with the prostitute because, A, this idea of marriage is preventing him from doing so, and B, because she's HIV positive. So if he did, he would have been punished. So it's like this horror film, hypothetically. Sure. I mean, part of that is where it's adapted from. I think all of its... uh all of its morality is very traditional because it comes from such, like, an old book. Somebody yeah. should be recording this conversation on a podcast. Yep. Oh, but- I'm actually just sitting here, like, painting this the pants on this skeleton man talking about this movie, so... And we threw. And we threw. Back. That was nice. We caught. Sure. We threw and we caught. Wasn't that a profound thought I had? Yeah. <laughs> 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 It was pretty profound, to be honest. Thanks. I'm very proud of you. Very impressed with that profundity. Oh, and I saw Girlhood. I forgot about that. Is that good? Girlhood is really good. Girlhood Girlhood is great. And the inevitable comparisons will be made against Boyhood because of its English language title. But I think it does a much better job at capturing these moments that are formative in a young person's life and why they matter. Mm-hmm. Boyhood sucks. It's <laughs> <laughs> fair point. So I'm. Yes. Okay. So that's me. Anyone else? What have you guys seen, Matt and Destiny? One of you. We see everything together now. We we've conjoined. Mm-hmm. You want to be no- known as Mestiny now? Okay. Goodbye. That's the end of the podcast. <laughs> that sounds like a sci-fi drug. So I'm into it. <laughs> <laughs>
super cyberpunk. Hook me up with that destiny. <laughs> um. So we saw Xavier Dolan's mommy on Saturday, and I'm I'm gonna get real. Uh, my mother died like about. 2010, 2011, it's weird that I can't remember the exact year, but it was in January, so it's all very blurry for me. Mm-hmm. She died two weeks after my 25th birthday. Uh, so, I'm going into this movie, and I'm like, it's going to be about moms. You might have feelings. It's going to be about moms. And you couple that with the fact that like, I used to work in public schools, and there were a lot of kids with behavioral disorders, and like I wanted to just adopt them all and take them home because I just thought, oh, you know, I can save them with my love. And so we get out of this movie, and I just break. I start crying. In a, I have not cried like that in months, years, probably. Just yelling and uh, just kind of feeling this feeling of, like, I don't know, just something about how the movie is about how relationships between parents and children are layered with this, like, you you love each other because you are related and you have a relationship in that vein, but then you also have this like history with one another. And then as you go along together, there's all this baggage that comes on top of it. And it's like the way you relate to one another morphs. Like one minute you want to scream at each other. The next minute you want to hug and never let go. And, and just thinking about all the, stuff like the characters go through and what the mother has to give up to take care of this kid and what the kid has to deal with and he can't control it and it just kind of reminded me of my own relationship with my mother and I think that's that's what broke me uh, but yeah Matt you talk about it now <laughs> Um. okay I don't I feel like after that there's not a whole lot I can say I just liked the movie Um. I uh, thought it was good Um. I think it's weird that it basically totally lifts 25th hour's ending. Um, Wait, but really? it does. The, the, the flash forward in 25th hour is, ex- happens exactly towards the end of. I mean, Mommy. If, you, if you're gonna stay with the spoilers. Hey, we're talking about films here. I know, but I've never seen 25th hour. It, 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 it's good. But, um, that yeah, I don't know. Like that's weird, but I enjoyed the film. I uh I think that its portrayal of like the mental health institution is really like gross and oversimplified and actually is to the film's detriment because I think the film is about this very specific thing and then at the very end it embraces like this metaphor of what go like mental illness means or the treatment of mental illness means to one of its main characters and that just I, it, I, it's so like regressive and dumb. What does it do? It's just like, I don't even want to talk about it. you should go see the movie, but it's a thing that bothers me okay. a lot. I think it, I think it hurts the film quite a bit, right, like right in the last like five minutes. Mm-hmm. Kyle, I know you have mommy feelings. I have lots of mommy feelings and they're similar to Destiny's in a way. Um, very much reminded me of my own relationship with my mother and paired with this and I Killed My Mother, I think they make very interesting interesting companion pieces, mostly for myself, but for other people as well. But um, I Killed My Mother is much more from this perspective. Xavier Dolan's first film is much 
more from the perspective of the child, and mommy is much more from the perspective of uh, the mother. And I have a, a really, really tough relationship with, with my own mother, and um, it's it's really confrontational about. To me, it's like looking in a mirror and seeing all the really terrible things that we've done to each other and that I've done to her. And, um, it was uncomfortable watching it the first time. Like, in, actually, initially, I was kind of lukewarm on it dramatically. Just, I felt it was um, underwhelming at first. But I saw it a second time recently, and it hit me much harder knowing the ending because it made every sequence seem much more transient and much more it, it, made, it made every scene feel like it wasn't going to last that these moments of happiness and of um, elation were going to end at any moment and that was hard for me to deal with so I cried both times I have a lot of mommy I, I wrote a piece on, on my relationship with those films and my own personal life, which you should check out on Indie Buyers Bent. It's called Mommy and Me. Yeah, we should link to that because yep. it's really good. I'll link to that in the post. That's still not out over here, so I can't see it yet, but I'll check it out when it comes out in the UK. Has it not already? I'm fairly sure it hasn't. Or at least no one near me. Yep, comes out in uh, two weeks. My friend ordered it for me on Blu-ray from Canada for my birthday. Mm. That's cool. I, I don't have anything that hard-hitting to talk about. Like, I look down the list of films I've seen, and it's like, I also saw Fifty Shades of Grey. That's okay. It's a film for nobody. Uh, what? Wait, uh, what? It's a, it, Like, it doesn't do enough to... Because uh, it's half... Just a straight portrayal of the book and its grossness, and half this like feminist subversion and uh, interesting interrogation of what that book means. But it's trapped in this middle space where it can't be enough of either that you feel like it's a film that's going to satisfy no one. So it's an interesting movie, but I wouldn't call it a good one or one that succeeds uh, in achieving its aims on any level. Okay. Uh, and then I saw Shaun the Sheep, which I know you poor Americans can't have Shaun the Sheep, but you should when you do. In the far-flung future, you should all go see Shaun the Sheep. Which is we the had the show, Shaun the Sheep. Well, it's, it's a movie now. It's an album movie. It's probably my favourite album movie, so it's very good. There's no talking. It's a silent film. And, yeah. That's, that's me. That's movies. Yeah, movies. I, I can talk about a couple more. I don't know. What, what's on your mind? What's, what films are on your mind? Well, um, I also saw a really good movie called um, Woman of the Year, mm. starring Katherine Hepburn and Spencer Tracy. Nice. It was a great time. It's about this uh, woman who works for a newspaper who has a lot going on as far as, like, she's a diplomat's daughter, and she's she speaks all these languages and she's just on the up and up women's rights activist. And then she falls in love with the sports writer who works in the same building. And he just kind of, they, they get married and then he realizes that he's a kind of in over his head because she obviously did not make, she loves him, but she just did not make 
space in her life for marriage. And it's an interesting, it's, it's weirdly subversive for something so old. Let me see. Do, do you know what year this movie came out, Matt? Not without looking it up, no. Okay, I'm going to look it up really quick. Uh, while she t- does that, I will, uh, I'd seen this movie before, and the thing I like, I love Catherine Hepburn in this movie. She is a hero to all people, and I love that she exists in this space where she is just, like, she is a pantsuit wearing, uh, whiskey swilling, politician like she just like every time you walk in the room she's speaking like a different language to a different world leader and she's bouncing them on the phone and she has like a guy secretary um and it's just like this amazing thing that exists in this world where everything is very traditionally gender coded and i love it i think it's great also Catherine hepburn is just a queen of balancing like witty comedy with like absolutely stupid slapstick physical comedy. And I, I love that she can have both and still be like this regal figure in all of her films. Yeah. It's really, really funny. And just every time I watch her, I remember, Oh yeah, she's amazing. Just, I don't know. She's always these, like the kind of woman, like they don't even really put in movies anymore because they're too busy trying to like, I don't even know what I'm trying to say, but I just feel like she's written in a way that like, she's not derided for her life choices. She's not taken down. She doesn't have to make a choice. I mean, she learns lessons. And to me, that's like really smart instead of making it like, let's take her down for being so independently minded or, uh, you know, like an, I've seen movies made in the 40s. This was a 1942 film uh, where women give up their jobs for men and that's considered the happy ending. And uh, this was not the case, but it also doesn't end sadly. You know, it's a happy ending um, for both characters. And I, I thought that was really su- like really surprising. Mm-hmm. That's really cool. Because you did a cool double bill yesterday, didn't you? Yes, we did. Nice. Cool movie times. Movies. Movies. Oh, and I I also found out that this was the movie uh, that uh, Catherine Hepburn and Spencer Tracy hooked up on. And they were together until he died. Like, secret love heirs. (sighs) Gosh. It wasn't that secret. Everyone knew. I know, but he was married, and they didn't talk about it, like, publicly, because that would have been a huge scandal. She probably, if she wasn't her, she probably would have lost work, because, I mean, that happened. Ingrid Bergman was uh, practically blacklisted when she had an affair. And if you ever want to just destroy your life forever, you can go watch Guess Who's Coming to Dinner and realize that both he and her know that he is about to die because he was dying of cancer, but it, like it wasn't, he was still working and they weren't really talking about it. And the ending of that movie is like this big speech about like what you pass on to like your kids and your legacy. And it's just the worst because he's delivering this earnest speech and she's just in the background, like literally actually breaking down. A movie is the most painful thing in the world because of reasons that aren't even about the movie. Jeez. Yeah. That's... Yep. Yep. She is great. She's so great. I love her. I think everyone can agree with that. 
<laughs> but let's talk about this month's movie club movie, which is Matt's choice. Matt, you came to us and were like, I want to do this movie. What was it? Why'd you pick it? So my movie club movie choice was Danger Diabolic, which is a Mario Bava film from 1968. I saw this movie because of, God, I don't even remember the podcast. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to totally kill your podcast right now while I look this up. That's cool. Sorry. I want to say it was, oh, okay. Sorry. Um, I first heard on this back when I was listening to movie podcasts, uh, which hilariously enough is a thing I don't do anymore. Now that I'm on one, um, sound on sites, like spinoff podcast, uh, which is called sorted cinema did a thing about, uh, I don't even know what the subject was, but this movie came up in the same conversation as Barbarella, and I really love Barbarella, and so I was like, I have to see this and see what it's about. And, uh, like Barbarella, Danger Diabolic is a comic book movie from the 60s. Uh, this one's based on an Italian comic book character, and it is similarly this very stylish, kind of cheesy genre romp, but in this case, it's about sexy ninja thief Diabolic driving around Italy, stealing shit with his girlfriend and evading the police. And I love it for basically because it is 60s speed racer, but maybe more so even than speed racer. It just feels like this stylish, delightful, funny thing at all times. I like that. It's breezy. I like that. Everyone's cool and well-dressed and the music is a great Ennio Morricone score and I don't know, like, it's just, it's just the most pleasant thing in the world as it's like this tropey kind of deliberately stupid romp. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I loved it. It was just seeing something that I often associate with modern films, that is to say this, like, acceptance and indulgence in uh, tropey nonsense, but taking the visual stylings of that to a ridiculous degree, like as you say, Speed Racer is the big one of those. But just being all that from with this layer of sixties cool on top of it, uh, made it the best time. Like there's a scene where nothing happens for two minutes except they make out on a bed of a spinning bed of money, just to <laughs> prove how cool the heroes are or the villains. I don't know. Who cares? The movie doesn't care. It really appealed to my wealth porn fetish. Yep. <laughs> Literally. They probably got a lot of paper cuts. <laughs> yes, that's what happened to Margot Robbie and the Wolf of Wall Street. I love that this is a movie where you kind of root for the bad guys because they're just stealing a bunch of money and wrecking cars and stealing cars and they have no regrets in the world and they're painfully cool and stylish in this very 60s way. Everyone looks amazing and young and sexy and hip and and these cops are just bumbling idiots. Oh, so much fun. It's like a cartoon. The the lead cop is the... I know, I kind of... Even though he was an idiot a lot of times, like at the end she's like, I need to speak to him one more time alone. And he's like, sure thing. Just go talk to him, I guess. (laughs) 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 But it... In terms of how it pitted these two characters against each other, I wanted both of them to succeed. I wanted that one cop to finally do something, uh, like finally succeed, even though he was surrounded by complete and utter morons for the entire movie. Uh, 
And I wanted uh, Diabolic and his girlfriend to just drive off into the sunset in their ninja suits. Like, there's, they blow up all the tax offices in Italy. <laughs> I forgot that happened. They do. <laughs> they blow up all the tax offices, which is followed by a massive sm- uh, a monologue <laughs> where the finance minister gives, who was once, who was, was like the disgraced police minister or something, I don't know, uh, giving a monologue saying, well, uh, we lost all the taxes, so be real helpful if you could just pay the taxes you think you owe us, to be honest. That was cute. <laughs> and then everyone wa- was out laughing at that. I, I watched this with a friend of mine last night, and we just kind of sat there, our mouth agape, enjoying it and having so much fun. Um, he said it was like someone watched a James Bond movie and made one of the villains really sexy and fun. Yeah, I feel like James Bond movies could use a fun villain. He was almost like, uh, I don't know, like an old school Batman yeah. villain or something. Yeah. yeah, it felt like James Bond crossed with 60s Batman. With Elaine Delone as the main guy. Mm-hmm. It was very pretty. That <laughs> yeah. was my favorite part. And all that Barbarella style 60s-ish, 60s-ishness. I don't know what word I'm trying to use. <laughs> I got a kick out of its kind of little, maybe a little bit half-hearted discourse about capitalism and the upper class in there. But that was fun. Yeah, just enough to like relish in it. Oh yeah. yeah, it was it was very Robin Hood esque. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> we we read scenes. Well, making out on the bed of money, of course. Also, whenever blood. he was shirtless. Ah, I liked his weird body suits. It, it, his body suit was great because it was terrible. Like there wasn't a cool <laughs> ninja suit. He looked like a dork in it. <laughs> Yeah, no, super goofy. And I also liked all the ways he would throw off the police. Like, they were things that would only work in a, uh, like, a Roadrunner cartoon. Let's like, pull out this oh, I'm giant gonna take mirror. a picture of this. Yeah, 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 the giant mirror. Or, oh, I'm gonna put a picture of the room over the camera so you won't actually <laughs> think the room has changed. Like, that would never work, but it was very believable in this film because of the world that it set up. My favorite thing is its like deliberate use of bad uh rear projection shots in every single one of its driving scenes oh, where it just amazing. delights in <laughs> these filmic tropes of what it means to be like a cool noir hero, but put in like the most Looney Tunes setting possible. Yeah, it's so true. I don't know what else to say about it. I just enjoyed it. It was a lot of fun. Real yeah, busy. it's a it, it is especially really good to watch with someone. Yeah, it was fun. It would be fun to like to maybe to laugh with and at at the same time. Oh, definitely. I, I like that it is mostly in on its own joke. It's, I would say a hundred percent. It knows what I it agree. is. Yeah, it knows exactly what it's doing. At no point is it like, "Huh, that was terrible. That was pretty funny." This is indulging and deliberately playing down every single trope that it can think of. He has to. They put like. We've made this thing too slippery to climb, so he brings out massive magnet gloves, like the lock onto the side <laughs> of the building in order to climb up this wall. And that scene goes on for about 90 seconds. 
Yeah, no, that's great. Oh, so good. Look, if it's worth doing, it's worth overdoing. <laughs> it's I agree. True. It would have been tragic if it didn't commit in the way it did. No, that's a movie that lives and dies by the fact it commits to everything a thousand percent. <laughs> yep, at least <laughs> that first shot when it introduces the um, base, where he drives into the base, and you're like, "That's a big set," but then it just pans over as she walks over the bridge, and you realize, "Oh, this set is massive. This is just the most nonsense villain base to ever be created." As it's she... so great. <laughs> I love it. It's like something out of a comic book. Yeah. That's because it is. It fully oh, is. right. Okay. <laughs> yep. It makes me sad that we, we live in a world where, like, comic books are, like, the movies, not to talk about new movie news, but there's that DC thing going around where some executive was like, our movies are important because our comic books are, our comic book movies are edgier and darker than the competition. And I can't imagine why anyone would chase that when your alternative is something as bright and ridiculous as this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's nothing that's, that is as, as fun or as spectacular as this these days, especially in comic book movies, which think that they're fun. Movies like, I, I hate to, well, no, I love um, dissing Guardians of the Galaxy, but Guardians of the Galaxy just is a little bit too winking, and I don't think it's actually as fun as it thinks it is. Well, like, I really like Guardians of the Galaxy, but I agree that modern-day combat movies and their conception of fun have this uh, level of self-awareness and distancing that prevents them from being earnest about their tropes and actually fully committing to them. In the way that this movie does, and, like, you know, when we're talking about Speed Race and everything, those are movies that commit 100%. There is no wink and nod. They just are what it is, and they love being it. Uh, and the uh, distance, and emotional distance in the way... Monday combat movies and even not combat movies just like silly fun movies that are meant to be enjoyed by everyone play their stories because when Jupiter Ascending comes out and it is this big fun nonsense thing everyone hates it so yeah I, I don't know how to fix it if all the movies I don't like are the ones that do well because I'm not the arbiter of anything maybe I'm just wrong maybe I'm just wrong guys but but Jackson if it's serious that means it's good no it <laughs> because you can't have art without grim gritty seriousness. Well, that's not even... That's my point is that's not what serious means because I would consider Danger Dear Bird to be a thoroughly serious movie. It is serious about being the dumbest thing on Earth. It's serious about this guy getting away from these cops and using every trick in the book and being super cool at it. Maybe serious is the wrong word. I think it is committed to yeah, these but, ideas. Well, the word I always go to is honest. Yeah, uh, it's earnest. definitely earnest. I didn't realize this, this was based on a comic book written by two sisters. The character was created by uh, Angela and Luciana Giussani mm-hmm. in 1962. Didn't know that. I think my favorite. I, I think my favorite shot in the whole movie is the one of the least showy ones, but it's the one where uh, you know when they're doing the thing with the truck, and she. Like, flirts with the guy to get him out of the truck. And he leaves the truck. And then it just pans over to him in the dorkiest suit ever, kneeling down under the truck. <laughs> like, yes. out laughing. And then oh, he just. All stuff. he does is sit in the truck and then drive away. He doesn't do anything super cool. He's just there, playing it as if he's the master thief of all time. Well, that's the best part. Like, he, he is cool enough that he does not have to do cool things to show his coolness. <laughs> exactly. He can look like a fool and still be cool because he's Danger Diabolic. Of course he's cool. Mm-hmm. He gets frozen in gold at the end of the movie, and his eyes wiggle about for about ten minutes. 
and he's still the coolest person in the movie. <laughs> I just kept no, wondering how true. he went to the bathroom. His girlfriend is the coolest person in the movie. Accurate. Accurate. No, correct. Good correction. Because fashion for days. All the fashion. All the boots. All the cute boots Diva wears. No cool I have a question. Cool. Go ahead. I have a question. Did their car change colors midway through the movie, or do they switch between cars? I assume they have multiple cars. Yeah, I th- Me too. Okay, the implication was they have... They don't need to worry about how many cars they have. They have all the cars. You never know. Don't count your cars before they hatch. I, yep, well done. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, to me, that that movie, I, I wish there were more movies like this. And I, I like it as like a Barbarella double feature, in part because John Philip Law is in both movies, mm-hmm. but also because like they present kind of like the masculine and feminine of like a certain era and a certain mindset sense of style when it comes to these kind of films. Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. Barbarella is a better movie than this. Not mm-hmm. even going to pretend that it's not, but I like this movie. a lot. I've too. never seen it. Oh my God. Barbarella is so good. It's so much fun. I like it's this, Jane well, Fonda I like it. just, Oh yes. Yeah. It's Jane Fonda just being the coolest. Also Barbarella is like way queerer than this movie is. <laughs> it's in space. She oh. has cute little space outfits. You get to see John Philip Law shirtless a lot. Uh, and I know yeah, you mentioned that yeah. that was a highlight. Um, yeah, no, you, you would enjoy it. It's great. I was gonna watch it yesterday and, and then I, I was bad at planning time. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Barrel is one of the best movies. I'm really excited to watch it because I love this. So if that one's even better, then I'm down. Yep. I mean, part of that is that it is French and this is Italian, and I just think the sense of style is cooler. Mm-hmm. Also, it's in space. It's hard to argue with space. This yeah, exactly. Is, it is hard to argue with space. It's an idea as much I live as, my life by. As much as Danger Diabolic is literally the adventures of Ananja. No! The Speed Racer no! people we've always wanted in our hearts. You didn't just do that. You didn't just... Uh... That's literally what he is, though. That's literally what he is. <laughs> He is not a ninja. Had you he been sitting not. on that? Yeah. Kind of. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty obvious. Well done. Good job. You yeah. got it out. Um, it's also... Barbarella was directed by Roger Vadem while he was married to Jane Fonda. And you can tell. Because it's like... It's just like a sexy romp. That's my favorite kind of romp. Me too. It's the only kind of romp that matters. <laughs> No romp like a sexy romp. <laughs> I like chicken romp. What are you? What's what? What's that? Food. Romp. I don't know. Yeah, that. Never mind. It was a bad time. Oh, oh, I'm okay. leaving. Bye. No, I I got it. Sorry. We got it. It just wasn't funny. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciated I it. I like puns. I'm a fan. I enjoy them from time to time. But yeah, I guess I guess that's our movie thoughts. High five, everyone! Woohoo, we did it! Hurrah! Go How's team! That? Yeah! This is the point where I have to pick a movie, isn't it? Because I still haven't. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't had the opportunity since I remembered, which was about two hours ago, one hour and a half ago. Gosh. 
You didn't think about it while you were eating, Jackson? This is where you're going to order, you're going to edit in what you said, and we're going to be like, oh, okay, that's <laughs> okay. good. Here's my oh. movie pick. Tenacious D in the pick of Destiny. Oh, I don't know if I'm going to like this, oh, but okay. okay. Have I seen this? I don't know if I have. <laughs> well, why are you not, what, how, what, why, what are you not telling me? Well, uh, the movie was directed by Liam Lynch. And it came out in 2006. And I'm really interested. I think I want to know what you think. <laughs> I don't know. Like, I don't really like watching movies that have such problematic gender depictions and race stuff, but okay. <laughs> I don't know if I could watch a movie this gory. <laughs> there aren't enough queer people in this. I like the scene with the dog. We're finally going to get a musical. Thank God. I actually will. Okay, I'll find a good musical to pick. I want to have a musical. <laughs> I'm gonna pick him. That's what I know. That's one thing that is accurate. This will be a musical. I'm gonna go find a good musical for us to watch because you're right. It's time. I have. You have four minutes. No, I will edit it in. We did the bit. The bit was done. Okay. It'll be. It'll be in the podcast. Everyone else will know. I'll just tell you guys later. Successful bit, guys. Okay. Would people? Li- I guess it's just a shorty today. Short episode. We're allowed. We're allowed, it's true. Uh, do people want to do the plugs? In the plug zone. I'll plug first. Plug first. You can find me and Jackson at abnormalmapping.com. You what, can what? check us You can <laughs> check us out on uh, YouTube, you asshole. <laughs> you can check us out on YouTube to search abnormal mapping. Uh, please check out our podcast on iTunes or Stitcher. Uh, rate and review us after you've rated and reviewed Trash Bag Ratio, of course. Yes. Which you can find at trashbagratio.com. You can find me at LitRock, L I T R O C K. That's it. I'm out. Kyle, go. You can find me on Twitter at Tyle Kerner, T Y L E K U R N E R. I write around the internets about movies mostly. Um, I find my collected writings. You can find my collected writings at tylerkerner.tumblr.com. I run Movie Mezzanines, The Balcony, their blog where I also have a podcast there called Film Critic of the Week, where I get to interview some great film critics and pick their brains. I also contribute to other places like Sound on Sight, IndieWire's Bent, Film School Rejects, The Black Mariah, etc. And you can check out my new podcast with my friend Connor um, called Media Query, Q-U-E-E-R-Y. We are available on iTunes. I think that's it. Destiny, go. I am at FridgeBuzz now on Twitter, and you can find me... On my weekly junk culture podcast, Badland Girls, at badlandgirls.com with Rhea Dowhauer. And, um, yeah, that's where I am. Cool. I am at HeadfulsOff on Twitter. Uh, I changed it and melted everyone's mind. Was Matt's <laughs> mind. I don't like when people change their Twitter names. I hated my... We'll get, we'll get used to it. I hated my old Twitter name quite a bit, so... I'm you changed it? I did change it. Uh, oh, wow, you did. Yeah, I did. <laughs> See, Jackson has this theory, and I don't disagree with him, that people who were on the internet bef- like in the 90s go by people's usernames, and people after that go by people's display names. I still think of people by their Twitter handles, not by their display names. Me too. I'm of the generation of you don't put your name on the internet, so I'm weirded out that like I'm expected to know everybody's real name. <laughs> it's, I, I, my main method of identifying people is actually their avatar. So people who change their avatar a lot, that confuses me. That throws me off, too, to be honest. Anyway. Depends on the person. Mm-hmm. Uh, Headphones off on Twitter. 
Uh, I am on normalmapping.com with Matt. You can find some movie writing from me at flixus.com. They got me to do some stuff like news posts, and I give zero fucks if you... Uh, Enjoy me giving zero fucks. I wrote a post about the Oscars. It's dumb. Please look at that. You should, you should sell your daily video content also. Okay. Because it's the greatest thing on earth. <laughs> uh, as part of abnormal mapping, uh, I am playing Mario every single morning until I complete Mario. <laughs> and you've never done this before. I have barely played... I have never played Mario 1 for more than 15 minutes in total, probably. So... Here we go. He's if, really bad. It's hilarious. The time it took from uh, for Matt to go from this is hilarious to this is the most frustrating thing was about two days. <laughs> I I don't think it's frustrating. I just want to give you tips. I want you to be good. <laughs> the the thing is, like, I'm going to give you tips and they aren't going to help you, and that's when it's going to be even funnier. <laughs> we'll see. Next time, I'm gonna I'm gonna do what you said. I'm gonna explore more. So look forward tomorrow. For, well, I guess f- f- uh, six days ago for. A bunch of me trying to explore and check every block. We'll see how that goes. But, yeah, that's that's me. I don't think I missed off anything else. Who cares? Thank you very much for listening. If you want to send us questions for next time, just tweet at one of us or at TrashBackRatio on Twitter or to TrashBackRatio at gmail.com and we'll answer them. Because we haven't had questions for a while, but we're pretty good at that. Thank Write you. us. Write us, yeah. Thank you very much for listening. Um, this this was the official Ides. OG Ides signing out, I guess. Murder. Yeah. The murder Ides. It's too brute. <laughs>